Here's the thing about new Cherry Vanilla Coke. Though Cherry's named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been Vanilla Cherry Coke. Or it could have been Coke Cherry Vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke Vanilla Cherry Coke or Cherry Vanilla Coke Coke. Mm, unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke, zero sugar, same great taste, zero sugar. Blog Talk Radio. The Crazy Talk, Crazy Topics Show, brought to you by Lord Lambdown, the Black Ice Chronicles, back in Cleveland. So get ready for the Crazy Talk and the Crazy Topics with your host, Crazy D. struggle, uh, her, Harry Belafonte to be one of them, uh, 
They called them the silent generation. Then the baby boomers born between 46 and 64 who are 54 and 72 years of age. Some are in the uh, civil rights generation. And then they called Generation X, born between 65 and 1980, 38 to 53 years old. They call that Generation X. And then I believe that there is a missing generation, uh, two generations, in fact, which were, were Y and Z. Um, so now they're saying that millennials born between 1981 and 1996 who are 22 to 37 years old are supposed to be millennials. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that people between the ages of 22 and 37 are millennials because there was a Y generation and a Z, which they were calling Zena generation that was supposed to be around during this time. And these are the two generations, Y and Z, which I question uh, after coming in after X, generation X. These are the two generations that I question I believe that they are in fear of getting older because they saw Generation X. We brought in again hip hop, fashion to its uh, full uh, full expression. Uh, hip hop fashion, in particular, the sneaker game, moving from playground to boardroom, uh, opening up the '60s free love into a bankable commodity like water, uh, gas anything you want. We moved it into a bankable commodity that could be purchased. Um, and Generation Y and Z seem to be within that middle area where they weren't able to uh, move because Generation X was such a jargonite. So they've moved themselves now into millennial uh, position. Um, millennials if people people talk about millennials, and they say millennials don't know anything about rotary phones. They don't remember this. They don't remember that. Well, someone between the ages of 22 and 37 will remember rotary phones. They will remember uh, certain situations. They will remember certain music. People who are millennials to me are were born between 1997 and 2008. Those will be millennials. Like my nephew, he's 15 years old now. He's a millennial. He wouldn't necessarily know about a rotary phone. or He wouldn't know certain aspects about uh, certain things, how fashion came to be what he sees today. But those people between 22 and 37 who are claiming to be millennials, they are actually wires and Zers, Zeniths, uh, who are co-opting what millennial means because they are afraid of getting older. And this is what the situation is. Uh, shout out to Nikki Rich uh, chiming in, Shanine Hicks chiming in, and Shanine wrote a comment. She said, agreed. We need to... Uh, pull back the scab off of this because 
Generation X, the generation that should have propelled civil rights into human rights, moving it forward, were held back for some reason or another. And we, we want to get down to the bottom of this and get your perspective on it. But uh, the call-in number, 213-943-3358. So is Generation X being squeezed between the civil rights generation and those who are actually Y and Zers calling themselves millennials because the millennials are just now coming of age. They're between 21 and like 13, right? Are they just now coming of age? Is Generation X being those born between 65 and 1980, are they being crushed in between the civil rights generation, which has found it hard to release the reins of social justice into the hands of the rightful heirs that should have taken it forward, uh, Generation X, are we being crushed in between those between that generation and the generation that is claiming themselves to be millennials when really they are wires and zeers that had no chance to really express themselves because Generation X was just so phenomenal and so uh, forward-thinking and, and, and pushing this whole situation to where hip-hop is the number one music. Oh, my, what's this? Is uh, Hip-hop is the number one music going, and the fashion and the clothes and moving from wearing suits into wearing everyday walk around here, being able to take it there. Let's see, uh, Franklin G. Uh, just checked in. He said, what's up? You ready? Yeah, uh, 213-943-3358. Call in, we can get this going here. But listen, Generation X, the generation that should have taken the reins and pushed this forward. We are not without compassion, and this is probably what the uh, big problem is. We are not without compassion. So what I'm getting ready to put up on the uh, Facebook, I'm going to uh, put up some uh, links so that you can go uh, watch them. Um, the first link that I'm going to put in is uh Andrew Young, Andrew Young and uh, Jesse Jackson uh, talking about the day that King was assassinated. Andrew Young and uh, April April fourth, nineteen sixty eight. That's the that's the year that he was uh, uh, assassinated at the Lorraine Hotel. So this is the first link that I'm putting up. We have compassion here as we're going here to. Uh, go through and push through and tell the story, right? Then the next, uh, so that was Andrew Young and uh, Jesse Jackson. Then Jesse Jackson tells the story, the next link that I'm putting up, he tells the story about when he was down on the, uh, below the balcony, he was 
joking with um, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and he saw Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. shot, you know, out a gun, shot this one, and he was instantly down. So I'm going to post that. So Generation X is not without compassion on uh, on the reason why possibly the civil rights generation held on so long that, that our leaders that are now in their 70s and 80s have held on so long, why Hera Belafonte is still a massive figure and a, a, a master as well as a uh, elder statesman for civil rights uh, coming from out of that generation, which they call the silent generation. And then the people who are within the baby boomer generation, which uh, who still hold on to it because they were close to it. They were there when uh, it actually happened. They weren't three years old. They were nine uh, to 15, uh, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old at the time when it happened, right? So they are, uh, they have a certain feeling about it, and they don't want to necessarily let it go. Let's see, what does uh, Shanine say here? I have always wondered uh, what would happen if Jesse Jackson would have given, would have gotten to make a complete run for president. Hmm. What would have happened? I mean, that's a good question. They say that because of his run that it opened up the way for us to get to where we are now, which gets me back to the whole situation about the civil rights generation uh, not necessarily letting the reins go at a certain period of time so that we could move forward. We're we're in the middle of nostalgia and not uh, proactive movement. Um, where we got to today, where are we today? We are not necessarily in a great place. We are not necessarily in a great place at all as far as what we see. We see people who are looking for a charismatic leader that is willing to die. And I think that we have some kind of, uh, the black community in particular, the uh, black people uh, pushing through, we have a certain uh, death mentality. And what do I mean by that? We revere the dead, and we shat on the living. So if the dead, we say, oh, the dead was so great, and at the same time, the people who are, push, who are actually pushing the signal that the person who was passed on uh, was pushing, except for it's updated because we've seen so many things, that person that is pushing in the later generation, that person is shot upon and not 
value, the opinion is not value of that person. That's what I see. But at the time, when you go back and you uh, read up and you find out what was happening to Martin Luther King during the time he was speaking against uh, the Vietnam War, he was speaking about poverty, and most of the people who were with him had turned their backs on him, and uh, most of the black people who were so-called with him who said they walked with him and did that, they were against him, but Jesse Jackson says the day after he was shot, when the newspaper came out, he became an instant hero. Everybody was with him, but at the time when he was alive, they weren't. We have a sick, death cult mentality. 213-943-3358. Are we, this generation X, this generation X being being squeezed by the civil rights generation and also by a generation who is afraid of getting older, so they have co-opted a title of a generation that is uh, mainly uh, between 21 to 13 right now who are coming into their own. Have they co-opted that name? Because they should be wires and veers, Venus, and not... Um, you know, not uh, millennials. You know, millennials are the ones that know all about the games and not know how to do that. I think these are people who are afraid of getting older, and this is the basis. Like Generation X, we have come pretty, we are pretty acclimated into and realizing that we are getting older, and we accept that, right? But we were the ones who brought in, again, hip-hop to its full magnitude, hip-hop fashion, uh, the sneaker game, moving it from just being on the playgrounds into the boardroom. And we moved uh, free sex from the 60s into a bankable commodity. We did that. So thus, as we walk around, we are in our authentic selves just like those who came from the previous generation, which would be uh, those within the civil rights generation and those, uh, and that's the combination of these generations, which is the silent generation and the baby boomers, these people were authentic and wearing suits and dress shoes. That's, that's their authentic selves to try to um, push through and have the politics of personal responsibility, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you walk determines how people treat you. But we have found, we found out through the run of Jesse Jackson, which helped to create the ability to have and the possibility to have someone like a Barack Obama uh, in 2008 be there and win the president. Presidency. We learned through his eight years of his presidency that it didn't matter how you dress, how you walk, how you speak. Uh, it didn't matter because uh, you cannot change the hearts of people who are in fear. And you, you just can't. What is Shining saying? We shouldn't look for certain leaders. We need to fight, period. Only oh, really? 
for dialogue. Listen, we are, we, see, see, not, see, there's another thing. People are looking for that charismatic leader that will die for us. Martin Luther King and all the others, maker evers, uh, we can go back further, all those who uh, sacrificed their lives for uh, the cause for black people to be free, not to have freedom, which we're in right now, we put a pen right there, freedom, not to have freedom, but to be free. Those who fought for that, they were assassinated and were uh, murdered in front of our eyes. So now uh, the people say now, they say, I'm not a leader, they say. Or they'll say, we need more than one leader so that when one leader goes down, the other one can pick up and take over, right? That's what they say. Um, so the whole situation is uh, crazily, 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 crazily uh, disjointed, and uh, we've been misled somewhere, and and, and I, I believe that totally. Um, telephone number to call in, 213-943-3358. 213-943-3358 to call in, to talk, to get in on the topic, put you right up, come right in. Listen. So Jesse Jackson now is, six, is 77, and Andrew Young is now 87. They were there when Martin Luther King fascinated at age 39, April 4th. 1968. They were there at the Lorraine Hotel, right? And so we can feel that compassion. We have compassion for what they went through and why they uh, might not necessarily want to release the reins, uh, release the reins to the next generation that should have succeeded them in moving forward to push this forward. We can understand that. that that's, that's all understandable. It's, it's, it, I, I can see it. I understand it. I, I get it. I, I, we get it. We get it. It's, it's a, a unfortunate uh, situation. It's, it's, it's sad by however. Now that we know that we cannot put our eggs all into one basket, into one leader, because they they destroy and kill our leaders. Now that we know that, we have to now then move on and not necessarily, not necessarily keep uh, keep putting that person up front because that person is gone. Their energy may still be here, but that person that embodied that particular struggle at that time, that person is gone, and we need to look forward to uh, 
the next group of people who will push this along. We have a phone call from 702, so uh, let's bring this up. Let's see what, what, who we have here. Good morning. Good morning. Who do we have on the line? Yo, man, how you living today? Hey, who is this? You know who this is. <laughs> no, say who you are. I want to remain anonymous. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. What's up, man? Okay. Okay. It's, it's your man, Franklin G. How you doing, bro? Uh, Franklin G. What's going on, Franklin? Okay. I'm doing so all right, man. Is, well, so the question is, did the civil rights generation hold back from Generation X? Did it hold on to the social justice fighting bigotry, racism, eugenics? Did it hold on too long? If you didn't pass it on to the rightful generation, they should have took it forward with brand new ideas. Why brand new ideas? Well, hold on. Let's pump the brakes first. The first generation we're talking about, and not to contradict you, but to add some flavor to it, it's called the greatest generation. That was World War II, not the silent generation. They became known as the silent majority. No, 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 no. They have just reclassified the generation. And that, that's part of it. They, they call the right. greatest generation. I'm just telling you, I'm just going by, I'm just pulling up the receipt and going by what they, how they have reclassified the generation. They are no longer calling the greatest generation the greatest gener- generation anymore. They are calling it the silent generation, people born between 28 and 45, who are now 73 and 90. They are now calling them the silent generation. Then the baby boomers from 46 uh, to, uh, to 64, when they were born, they're between 54 and 72. And then they're calling Generation X, born between 65 and 80, or 38 and 53, they're calling them Generation X. And, the, and my contingent or my uh, discrepancy is the next generation, which they're calling millennials, which they say are 22 to 37, when actually my nephew is a millennial, and millennials should be between 90, born in between 97 and 2008, and the ones who are claiming millennials now who are 80, born in 81 to 96, who are 22 to 37, are actually wires and zeers who are supposed to be called zeniths. And they are, they have, so I would say that it's the millennials who have stolen the millennials' name. They have, they are the ones who have reclassified these titles because they are. Okay, okay, there you go. You said it right there. No, you said it right there. They were being reclassified by generations after them. Okay, so I would submit to you that the greatest generation is what they titled themselves because now they are not the biggest number that they can be reclassified by millennials, thus taking away from the greatness of their original name. So I would submit to you that revisionist history can't reclassify or shouldn't reclassify them as the silent generation. I believe that may be a holdover from what Reagan called the silent majority because that was basically what they were trying to be termed as during his era. But still, they called themselves the greatest generation. So we got to go with that. At least I do. I'm a traditionalist, so I'm going to go with that. Let's uh, uh, dissect that for a second, because the greatest 
the greatest generation or the silent majority of what Reagan was talking about wasn't necessarily right. including everybody that would be in the silent generation. Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah it was. It was, though. Because he was talking to senior citizens. I know. We, we, we have to move forward with, you know, the new classification. But I'm saying the silent majority who he was talking about were people who were white, Anglo-Saxon, mostly males, white women stay to the back. We're going to get this done. We want to go back to a time and make America great again, kind of like what we're hearing now. And so that particular period of saying the silent majority, I don't even give what Reagan said was that any credence because he wasn't including a certain demographic of people like 45 is including a certain demographic of people today. Well, so I wouldn't. There lies your dialogue. But your your question about passing the torch, yes. it's not so much that anybody kept anything from anybody. I would, pres- I would pre- present that simply because it's a learning process, the civil rights movement. There's a difference in the civil rights movement of the era of. Um, the early era, I'd say, you know, post-reconstruction, uh, so to speak, when we had people, Frederick Douglass, a civil rights fighter, then we had W.B. Du Bois, civil rights fighter, George Washington Carver, civil rights fighter. All of these guys, all of these individuals, because there were also women involved, all of the people that we're talking about, each segment of the uh, revolution, so to speak, to get equal rights, manifest itself differently. Whereas the technology age now that has been that big gap that exists between the baby boomers and millennials, those things didn't exist in terms of getting the streamlined communication that the millennials are offered. So that change and passing the torch, so to speak, technology's had a hand in it. And also I would submit to you that during the civil rights era or the early part of it, the largest amount of us were in college at that time, which was new. So submitting that that new technology that the kids have now, that you have now, makes the struggle easier to disseminate information just like you're doing now. So to say that they held it from then and they they just didn't pass the torch in terms of getting people and creating legacies. Because as you mentioned, Reagan, we're still dealing with Reagan. We're dealing with Reagan because all the people in power now on the Republican side turns and people who worked under Reagan and those kind of administrations young, just keeping that same kind of legacy alive. That is exactly right, because we just came from seeing Vice, the movie on uh, Cheney, or Cheney as he likes to be called, and, it, and how he got started, he was, he, was a, he was a page at first. Right. He was an assistant right. to Donald Rumsfeld. And as it went right. through, he built, right. and as he kept all of those connections, then as he became in power, he brought those people back in. And so it's a continuous circle. We as a people tend and seem not to do that. We are fixated on the charismatic leader. And that is a problem. And those who were Charismatic leaders, just my thought on it, Jesse Jackson and uh, uh, others who are charismatic leaders do not pass on 
They do not pass the torch. They were not willing to pass the torch because along with their popularity and the way that they were able to grow within the struggle came financial gain, I would add. And who wants to I, give that? I agree. It's, like, it's just like a senator or, or, or a congressperson. They want to keep getting elected more and more. They don't want term limits because the more they're elected, the more financial gain they get. Agreed. But at the, same, at the same time, if you look at even those, the, the congressmen that were elected in the 70s and the 80s, look at who their staffs were. What happens is somewhere along the line, we lost the, the understanding that bringing people up. Instead of having a black chief of staff, they have a white chief of staff. Instead of having a black man as a chief of staff holding that minority banner up, they have white women chief of staff, which is funded and forced by the Democratic organization. It makes them seem more palatable. Because even our own uh, congresspersons, we only have one person who's an African-American, and that same African-American who got reelected now has a black chief of staff. Because they lost before because they had a white chief of staff. They were told what to do by the Democratic organization. And their chief of staff was not even a Las Vegas person or a resident of the state of Nevada. So I would submit to you, even guys like Charlie Rangel. Hello. I think I lost you there. You went down. Uh, call back. Am I back? The, uh, oh yeah, you're back. You're back. Go ahead. Finish. Okay. Uh, you look at their chief of staff or the people they placed in legacy positions where they would learn how to do the job. They weren't reflective of the communities that they governed. They listened to outsiders and tried to gain acceptance by integrating their own staff, thus removing us from the legacy you know, uh, uh, the legacy background. If you're not there to learn the job, you're not going to get the job. So, then so they, the, they tried to be more acceptable and hired white people. Right, and so now that's what they call it. You know, we're diversified. We we hired the gay guy. We hired this guy. Instead of just keeping it purely community oriented for those who would have impact to stay. So there you go. So that proves the point. Then even more is the civil rights generation held back from Generation X. They held back certain knowledge, certain advancement, certain. Uh, certain uh, financial gains, certain gains that could have helped our community. And now we find ourselves here right now with 45 exactly due to that situation. Would you agree with that? Because you're, you're making my point. You're making my point. Well, I, you, it's the phraseology. You're saying kept them out. I don't know if it was kept them out or tried to be more inclusion for what they thought their purpose was. As you were talking about with Dr. King, when he was a radical, and he was a radical, people loved him. But over time, they gave us the image of his speeches and him not being a radical, of him being inclusion. The same way we have African Americans who are elected that say, I'm for everybody. I'm willing, I want to do this for that. But you can clearly see the disenfranchisement in the black community through their tenure. Because, as, as you said... Not that they held it back, they just didn't do it properly. And, but, but the people who were there, when Jesse Jackson and Andrew Young saw uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. fall from the shot, they knew that he was about 
getting black people into their rightful place in the society for all of the 275 years of bondage and then going into Jim Crow that we had to uh, contend with during that time. So they knew what it was. As they moved on, they diversified their staff instead of staying true to the cause to raise black people up. So the Generation X, black Generation Xers did suffer from the civil rights generation moving in another direction other than King's uh, initial direction. Well, the direction King took was being eroded away from the black community. Remember, he was in Chicago, and they told him, go home. That's why he went to Memphis, because the sanitation strike workers needed his help. He, came, he tried to bring it north, but it was a different kind of Negro in the north, a different kind of oppression in the north. These are people who left the south prior. And I would also indicate to you that people like Jesse, Jesse hired his... Okay, your phone keeps going out on. This is a robust dialogue here, but your phone, your phone keeps kicking here. Oh, sorry. I'm, you know, I, I, but, I, uh, you know, I'm back. You got me again? Yeah, you're back in. Hello? Hello, hello? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Am I back? I, I can hear you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, as I said, Jesse tried to get that legacy going, but, you know, his son, uh, unfortunately, uh, attained the level of congressman and then got, you know, caught with his hands in the cookie jar. And even if you look at many of our elder statesmen, even the ones who just got run out, some of them had cases on them in terms of taking money, right? We know some congressmen who got in trouble for that, African-Americans and one. That that that's one example. Those, those are a couple of examples. But again, if they had passed the torch, if they had passed the reins over, then we wouldn't be into this situation. I'm gonna, thanks for calling in, Frank. We're gonna keep on moving Yo, on. Stay up, man. Um, uh, listen, this that right there, that conversation. As a matter of fact, Franklin G. He comes on uh, Fridays uh, right here on uh, Facebook, right here on the live stream from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., Like It Is Radio, Like It Is Radio with his co-host, Cheryl Lightford. So tune in for that on Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. right here on the uh, streamcast right here on uh, FB. So listen. That right there is the perfect example of what I'm talking about as far as um, there being a situation with there being a situation with the civil rights generation not letting go. They did not let go. They should have moved on. So uh, about about this compassion thing, let's get back to the compassion about. Generation X having compassion. We have compassion for what all of the civil rights activists, uh, leaders, everything went through after uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinate, assassinated on April 4, 1968 at the Lorraine Hotel. We have compassion for that. But that and that might be in the psyche of why they did not want to pass the reins on. Maybe it was a lack of trust. But 
Generation X, again, did so much that would have brought it forward. Initially, when hip-hop switched from the Yes, Yes, Y'all and the party, and it started to branch out into different regions, initially it got into a pro-black phase, which introduced people to not only Dr. Martin Luther King, but also uh, Malcolm X, uh, uh, and, of course, Lewis, the Honorable Lewis, Minister Louis Farrakhan from uh, the Nation of Islam it introduced people to that. And maybe the, the civil rights generation did not appreciate that the movement had to move more to that into that direction. So instead they chose to go along with the system and only Martin Luther King as a dreamer instead of an agitator, activist, uh, social justice champion pushing forward. They forgot because they would rather take the funding than to fight the actual struggle because so many before Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had fallen that when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. fell, who was the epitome, he was the one that when the cameras came in and started covering, he was there. It's just like how uh, how the cell phone and the uh, capturing of what's happening in the streets with the cell phone. They they talked about Big Brother, but then Big Brother is also held by individual citizens also. So it's just like that. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King came in when video actually came in, where they could instantly chop up and get right onto the screen what was happening on TV. He is the first person of the civil rights era who was captured and propelled forward by visual video on television, right? They decided to push his signal forward, but again, he has passed on, and we are still here, and we are sitting in this situation that we are in because, in my opinion, the civil rights Generation did not pass on, did not pass the reins over to Generation X, who were pushing more of a pro-black movement, pushing through, telling people in other communities, get your like-minded people together and work on your own people. We will work to make sure that our plight is right, you work on your individual people, and once you work on your individual people, those who built this country, who built this country with blood, sweat, and tears, hard, back-breaking work while being sexually abused, mentally abused, 
would finally be able to rise to their rightful place in this country. And this, this is what uh, all of this is about. This is what all of this is about. Now, you know, Juneteenth is the celebration when the last slaves were, uh, quote, unquote, freed, you know, that's after, uh, after uh, Lincoln's cap was filled, you know, and who, who uh, filled Lincoln's cap but his own people. Who, who filled his cap but his own people, right? So uh, this right here, is about Juneteenth. This is one of my ex. I owned a, a CD DVD store for 15 years. When I first came in, it was called Record Stores, but then it shifted from out of cassette into CDs and then CDs into digital, so it's a CD DVD store, you know, because the DVDs came in, and then later the digital came in. But I, I would hold functions at my store, and I did a Juneteenth function, so this is uh, what's coming up next on the screen is a... Uh, about the Juneteenth celebration, where I break down what Juneteenth is all about and what it means uh, to black people, though a lot of people were free before the last people were free in Galveston, Texas, um, it still means something because we're still fighting some of the same battles. So that's up. And then um, speaking of the civil rights generation and the disjointedness and the lack of passing the reins so the so the generation X to have the reins and hold on hold and push the team of horses from uh, four horsepower to eight horsepower, sixteen horsepower, twenty four horsepower, moving this uh, a thousand horsepower, moving this um, moving this thing along. But Kwanzaa comes up, and it's been an interesting debate. So I'm putting all this up because for those who are true millennials, who are between the ages of 21 to about 13, those are true millennials. Uh, certain information has to be passed on, so that's why we do it. We make sure the information is passed on. Uh, What's up next is about Kwanzaa and the definition of Kwanzaa and what it means in, in, in each one of the uh, titles of the day. You know, we want to uh, put that across to you. However, with, there's always got to be some kind of controversy. There always has to be some kind of controversy because, again, uh, our leaders have a way of not passing the torch, which means if the torch had been passed, I don't believe that um, I don't believe that there would be uh, ghetto situations for black people today had the torch been passed. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe there would be ghetto situations because the ghetto was not initially set up for us. It was an experiment done by the Nazis on uh, Jewish people in Germany, putting them in, uh, putting them in ghettos so that they would then start to fight amongst 
themselves and kill each other up. And as what people find when they do this experiment, they find out that it's not enough killing going on, so then they have to institute something else, which in the case of Jewish people at the time was the concentration camp and the oven. Just like uh, black people, they, they see that there's not enough killing going on, though they constantly put that in the news. Not enough killing going on, so then they have to institute uh, the patty rollers to come out and do what patty rollers traditionally did and do. And also, they have to make sure they come up with experiments. Tuskegee, uh, uh, releasing uh, crack cocaine on the street uh, to not only wipe out the population, stripping culture out of the schools during the time when the Generation Xers were coming through, which birthed then hip-hop music, right? So without controversy, with, there's always controversy. So uh, Joe Brown, you remember Judge Joe Brown, he said that the creator of uh, Kwanzaa, now this is what he said, he said the creator of Kwanzaa was actually an agent. You know, I just put the video up there. So there's, there's certain things that we have to know. Does that, if he's an agent and, you know, people got together and they were talking and next thing you know, the FBI was knocking at their door asking them questions uh, about what they had said at a certain function. Does that taint the meaning of a particular holiday? Does that taint a... Uh, the meaning of a specific holiday. And again, did the civil rights generation hold back from Generation X? Did they hold the reins back from us being able to push forward? What's going on to Michael Elliott? I see him chiming in. Um, civil rights generation hold back from Generation X, the rightful heirs to holding the Justice reigns to push through. Uh, 213-943-3358. 213-943-3358. Call in. We'll put you right over. Um, do you remember <clears throat> just before um, <laughs> Barack, uh, President Barack Obama, uh, number 44, um, was elected MSNBC, um, Chris Matthews did a special. It was going to be him. It was him. It was him and Tom Joyner. And Tom Joyner was on his um, radio show. We were listening to it, my wife and I. It was, who would know that that was the beginning of the, one, uh, the waning years of his popularity as a radio personality? Who would know this? 2008 would be the waning years, the beginning of the waning years of his popularity to the way we are today. Boy, what a difference uh, eight, ten years will make in a a career of a person. But anyway, he was on his show and he was talking about um, uh, he he was making a joke and he said, I... uh, I don't feel comfortable, something like that. I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not saying exactly what he said, but I don't feel comfortable uh, 
eating my chicken and watermelon around mixed company. Ha, ha, ha. That, that was funny. But I said, I don't have any trouble eating chicken and watermelon because what I find is more uh, that more than quite a few. Matter of fact, all of them, except for the ones that are on the vegan or the, or the vegetarian kick, they love chicken and watermelon more than black people do. So, I mean, it, it really is there's nothing about eating a mixed company. Even if they didn't, I would still love it because watermelon is a natural flusher. It flushes you out. Except that you eat the chicken. Our ancestors knew that you take in a melon to flush it out after you eat flesh. You flush out. But that's only just naturally known things that they made fun of us for, uh, and some of us forgot, but that's exactly what it was for. One, you eat what you like, and then you flush out with what you know will flush you out to keep you healthy. That's fast. So, but anyway, so look, he got on this, so the show, so usually MSNBC, they do shows where it repeats, and it'll repeat for about a month because it's so uh, educational and it pushes through the meaning of people, right? I mean, the, the meaning of whatever subject they're doing, it pushes through like a targeted laser beam and it hits, right? Well, Tom Joyner gets on there. I don't know if they pack the audience full of people, but here we are. We're getting ready to have uh, uh, we're getting ready to have a president, right? We're getting ready to have the first black president. And the all the people could do to complain, all the black folks that were in there that were talking, they all they did was, was complain. There was no set plan. There was no agenda. And then, um, then, uh, then Tom Joyner gets up and he, you know, he's sitting here, but he says, um, well, I don't, uh, you know, but I don't eat, I don't feel comfortable eating my chicken and watermelon around mixed company. And then Tom Jordan says, I don't get that. What does that mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was not a joking matter, and the people who came in the audience, who were sitting in the audience, did not have process to push agenda. They didn't bring the agenda people there. Like, if you were going to have Tom Joyner, who is a radio show personality, who is, who does move in the black community to advance. However, you needed a panel of people in the front row that were uh, thought people who think about human rights and moving this forward. And what does it mean? So all of this were all of these were test balloons put up, I thought, that set it up to where we are today, where civil rights is not about black people's rights anymore. It's not about human rights anymore. It's not about that, right? Right, Chris Matthews, that's what I said. Okay, so look. Um, So then, <laughs> Jeff Johnson comes out. Jeff Johnson, this is Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson comes out. He's a Cleveland, Ohio native. 
he comes out and he sits on the panel and he's kicking solutions, ideas and solutions and moving the situation forward. And then I, just from what I saw and what, what we see, he used to come on Tom Turner's like once a, once a week. He would come on maybe twice a week, top of the week, end of the week, and he would come on and he would talk about black agenda and the black community and moving it forward. And, you know, I because I deal in film, I deal in close-up and I deal in facial expressions. And just to me, just what I saw, I saw, my opinion, that Tom Joyner, when Jeff Johnson was talking, I looked to my wife, I said, you see how Tom Joyner is looking at him? But Tom Joyner was, like, joking, but Jeff Johnson came out and he was Speaking, you know what I mean? He was speaking to advancing. What is Jeff Johnson? He is a generation actor moving forward. And then shortly after that, I don't know if it had anything to do with the uh, appearance or whatever, or someone feel that they were being outshined. I don't know that. I don't know that. I don't go by what I see and what happened, what I perceive and what happened and what happened afterwards. He stopped being on the show after that, shortly after that. The baby boomer generation and the violent generation that they reclassified the greatest generation because I wouldn't necessarily say the greatest generation because whenever I watch documentaries on the so-called greatest generation, when they get to black people finally being able to integrate the military. You talk about how, first they talk about taking the uh, European-Americans from out the backwoods, cleaning them up, teaching them how to read, write, boom, doom, 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 doom. And they, they taught them how to be men because they were in the backwoods, in my opinion, cooning. Okay, now say that. Then when they get to, now this was uh, Charlie Sheen who narrated this particular one of the greatest. So he gets to, this is a PBS thing, you can search it out. So they get to uh, the black people, and, I, and, you know, acting and reading aloud and putting across a sentence or, or, or a monologue or whatever you're trying to put across, it's all about the inflection in the voice, the inflection in the voice. So they get to talking about black people integrating the um, the military, right? Right? During World War II, right? But, now remember now, they talked about how they took all the white people. They, they were illiterate. They were dirty. They didn't watch. They didn't do none of that. They didn't, they didn't know how to do anything. They didn't know how to, no hygiene, nothing. They cleaned them up and taught them how to be soldiers and later possibly become officers. Okay. When it got to the black people in the documentary, they started talking about how they put them in certain positions, and then when the time came for fighting, uh, they didn't know how to read, and some bad things happened, and it was the inflection in Charlie Sheen's voice, and they didn't, and they weren't able to do something like that, something like that. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute now. They took all of the white folks 
with all the European Americans from out the backwoods, they clean them up and, you know, taught them how to read and write, brush your teeth, wash on the underarms, do all that, you know, man, brush your hair, get the grease out. You know what I mean? They did all that. With them, black people, they said black people couldn't read. Now, wait a minute. Now, how come you didn't take the black people out who weren't? And that, that's, not, that's, that's not true. We, we, we know that's not true. You know, but if not, let's just look at it. Let's just say it's the way it is and people were illiterate. That's not true because everybody knows that black people came from the schooling and the schools were separate. And though they were only getting a dollar twenty-five to a dollar forty-five a kid or less during the time, I saw that in the Oscar in the show movie. Though they were only getting that much right per kid, whereas a a, 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 a European American kid would get two, three dollars a kid, right? Even though they were doing that, the love of the situation the teachers to teach them how to read, write, uh, and all that, and go through um, uh, mathematics, which they called arithmetic. And boom, boom, boom. We, we taught them all that. They taught us that. And they moved through. But here you are. Here's the person saying it. And then they move right back to the greatest generation. So they sold black people in there, and they say how bad it was. But if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't have got out of some of the situations. If it wasn't for us, Pearl Harbor would have been worse than what it was. Go research that, people. Go research that. What's going on, Jerome? I see you checking in. Um, so in that aspect of it, seeing how this story is told and it's basically a lie to push still push inferiority in the middle of something about the great generation. So I would never really care to classify those people, the particular people who they were speaking on as the greatest generation. I wouldn't consider them the greatest generation. So to bring it back around, the silent generation is a great title form, right, because they weren't talking about us. So why do we look for that charismatic leader that is willing to die for us? Uh, why are we looking for that leader? Why, why aren't we pushing forward and moving forward to get our agenda done without needing that particular leader that can stand up in front of us and talk to us and move us forward, Right? Why, why do we need that? Why do we need a leader to do that? Why? Why? Why are we in this, what I call, sick death cult, where we, where we revere the dead but shat on the living? The living are here, and as soon as they pass on, all of a sudden they're revered. Why, why do we do that? And why did the civil rights generation, hold back the reign from generation X generation that was not only fighting something that they brought in to try to collapse early on the success of the latter baby boomers. Now remember, baby boomers are now reclassified or have been classified as those that were born between 46 and flip the numbers around 64. 
Now, these people would be the people who were in college. There were more black people in college. Then around 83, all of a sudden, crack is removed. And then all of a sudden, it switched around. It was more uh, people, more young black males in prison than in college. Right? Why would that why would that be done, and why wouldn't the baby boomers who saw this happening? Because really it was to catch them. It wasn't to catch necessarily Generation X. We were children when this started to happen. When this started to happen, we were children. We were uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, Right? If we were 10, 11, 12, 13 years old as this was coming through, and then as we came up, we were in the middle, in the middle of all this. This was already happening. People who were in charge of what was happening, they were older. They came from a different generation than we did. We were just stuck in the middle of this. So it caught some of us, but it didn't catch all of us. Right? So crack is really not a Generation X thing, though we came through the years of the height to where it lessened, where it lessened down, but it still exists. But we came through, we had Clinton who did the three strikes and took a lot of people off the street, which took away Generation X when really they were trying to stop the latter half of the baby boomers from being in college, that's, that's what this was about. And But instead, it kind of slapped us with it, and then it took us away. So in between the civil rights generation not letting the reins go and passing it on, not letting the reins go and passing it on to uh, them releasing crack into the uh, neighborhood, this um this just like Shanine Hicks says, uh cracks crack and AIDS equals genocide. It was a genocide of a group of people because they knew the generation X was money. Even though they did this, Generation X still came through and again pushed hip hop, pushed fashion, pushed the secret game from of being just on the court or the playground and into the boardroom. We pushed uh, free sex into a commodity to sell. We did this. Even though it also, and here's another thing. Here's another thing. The baby boomers are a strain on the Social Security. You know, the Republicans have been trying to get rid of the Social Security since Half of them were Dixiecrats, and the others were uh, Republican, and they didn't really want to go along with what FDR was doing. So they've been trying to get rid of Social Security for a while. And so now, now that when the baby boomers came around, and they a lot of them were irresponsible, irresponsible, bringing that everything, and they have uh, Social Security is now strained because of so many 
and not all of them were working to be able to cover it. If all of them had been working to cover it, let's tell the truth now. If all of them had been working to keep Social Security solvent, we wouldn't have this problem now. But they've been chipping away at it, chipping away at it, then the baby boomers come with it. Chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And I think what they're not telling is there was another baby boom. There was another baby boom that came from out of Generation X. Generation X, I believe there's another baby boom, but because it doesn't fit the picture of of the demographic that they would want to be the baby boom, they they ignore it. And instead they're trying to shuffle it away. Shuffle it away. Put it away. Put it in the prison. Get rid of that baby boom. Baby boom. You can just know that there was a baby boom by the amount of persons that are incarcerated. That they were trying to get rid of that new baby boom. There was a baby boom that had to do with Generation X children, right? And so when you uh, look at this situation, you see what's happening. So let's hear, let's see, let's take a few more phone calls. 213-943-3358. That's 213-943-3358. Did the civil rights generation hold back from generation X? So the example that I talked about as far as the Chris Matthews and uh, Tom Joyner's special that was on talking about moving forward with what the black community wanted coming in. It never showed again because there was nothing there. There was nothing tangible that could be taken forward. It was, in my opinion, by Tom Joyner be a joke. But when Jeff Johnson got up, who was a Generation Xer, he was about pushing forward. And I... And I truly believe that the generation X, generation X, generation X, the generation that I belong to, we were purposefully held back from taking our rightful place. So then we just went into we went into education. Some of us went into being teachers. Other other others others chose to uh, going to sports or sports management, lawyers. Others went to entertainment, into the entertainment business, management, uh, tour managers, entertainers, sound uh, engineers. Uh, we, we chose to go into those aspects because the civil rights and the human rights aspects was always being held by someone who was not born between the years of 65 and 1980. Always, it was always held, and when you look at it today, it is still held by people who are not born between the years of 1965 to 
take the ring. For goodness sake, now, uh, I have to say this because new people are coming in, so I have to say these things so that people understand. There is a generation of people who are calling themselves millennials who are, ex- are actually wires and zers. The Y letter and the Z letter, which they will call, supposed to be called Zenith, as I remember correctly, but that was dropped somewhere. They are taking the term millennial, which represents people who are 21 to about 13 years old, 13 to about 21 years old right now. They are taking it and running with it and trying to use it uh, to push an agenda because they had no they had no faith in the 90s and in the 2000s to do their agenda. So they're co-opting the name. They need to go back to their name, which was Wires, the Y generation, and the Z generation. Um, they need to go back to their names and say that if they want to be Zenith, be Zenith. But don't talk about, oh, I don't know anything about rotary phones. I don't know anything about this. Oh, that stuff is old. That stuff is corny because you couldn't get it when Generation X was there, and Generation X, uh, Generation X has to hold it because they didn't get it. The, the reins weren't passed to them when they came of age. That's the way it is. So Generation X has to do, but because we have compassion, we want to do it as as the way the civil rights generation did. If you look again, if you look around you, if you just look around you, open your eyes, Become aware. I won't say be woke. I won't say become aware. Look around you. Look around and say, every time I'm at a civil rights function, there are a group of people who are not born between 1965 and 1980 telling the story. How come the people who aren't weren't born in between our generation, generation X, telling us something when they did not get it done. They did not get it done. They did not get it done. This is why we are here in this situation. While we're looking at 45 right now because they did not get it done. They believe in symbolic things. It's like the trinkets. It's like when the first Europeans came over and they dangled trinkets in front of the Kings who had who had, who dealt in a certain type of slavery, and they sold the people off. And in the end, they were able to come back and take and wipe out everybody and take all the all the black bodies over to into slavery. That's fact. Look that up. It's just like you know you're looking for symbolic situations. Like you know, we were watching. We were going to be uh, reviewing this on the film review movies, music, culture, and whatever comes to mind. But we were watching um, Fahrenheit 11.9 by Michael Moore. And there is a scene in there where they talk about the Flint water crisis. And, you know, we didn't see this on the news. But anyway, so they talk about the Flint water crisis. And they talk about President Obama going to the Flint water crisis. And first, uh, the governor at the time comes out, and he's getting booed. So then... Uh, President Obama comes out, and and somewhere within the speech he says, 
I need some water. Give me a glass of water. And you know, you know, the pipe they had switched over to the river and the river or instead of dealing with the Great Lake that had fresh water they went to the to the river and the river corroded and not only caused legionnaire disease and all kinds of lead poisoning and things, but it corroded the pipes all for a dollar. Okay. Kind of find out what they did it for because they wanted to uh uh the, the governor's crony wanted to just make a new pipeline from the Great Lake and come Michigan and, and come in and, and even though that pipeline it fed uh plant was perfectly fine. They just wanted to bring another one, just build something, make money. Okay. So uh you know, it corroded all the pipes. So President Obama finally came because this was at the end, right? So he comes he says, I need a glass of water. So some nondescript person comes out the back, a uh, European-American female, and she brings him a glass of water. And it was like, everybody in the audience, you know, the, the black people that were predominantly black people in the audience, it's like, no, no, don't drink it. Get bottled water. Get bottled water. And he said something about, no, I'm not just joking. You know, I'm really – so he takes the water, and he just tips it and wets his lip with it. This is on Fahrenheit. 11-9, you need to go watch this. You need to go watch this. This is a point, the point of why civil rights generation didn't release the rain. He tips and then he puts it under. Now, if someone is parsed in the throat, you're going to take the glass and go like this. You're going to drink at least half of the water. President Obama went like this. He didn't, he went and put the water down. He did not. I mean, you can go see this. Fahrenheit eleven nine. He did not gulp down. When you take a drink of water and you're parched in the throat, you're going to take quite a a, a, a a large amount of it to kill the parchment. So this is the same thing that the governor did of Michigan at the time. He said he was going to drink uh, water a day. You know, that faded away because the cameras faded away from that. So we don't know if he did or didn't, but we know he didn't because he doesn't have uh, the effects of lead poisoning today, which gets us our episode 41 about does, um, is evil in the eyes of the beholder because it seems like all the time evil wins out even though there are moral victories. Don't worry. Go back and watch 41, when we talk about the five films that have to do with that particular premise and topic, uh, up now on uh, SoundCloud as well as YouTube. But anyway, listen. So he takes this. So then later, when he's sitting in a round table with with the governor, he does the same thing. He just takes the glass. This is on. I'm telling you. And he goes and says, "Yes, the water is good." He never. Takes it, swallows it, anything. It, 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 it's crazy, people. And that's when the woman says, he was my president. You see, that was, that's been a perfect example of if I was sitting in the audience and if Generation X was actually in charge and not those that are looking for superficial or, 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 or trinket or just symbolic uh, representation, if if we were truly in charge and had the reins, 
a bunch of people when he said, don't drink it. Once he started drinking, he said, drink the whole thing. You say it's good. Drink it all the way down. That's what we would have said. We would say, drink it all the way down. But see, they were sitting there stunned, still living under. Let me tell you something about Generation X and the 90s. You know, a lot of the things that were happening in the 90s are coming back up in the news today. Everything then was raw. Everything then was raw. They had DVDs that are called raw. The wrestling at the time was raw. Everything was raw and in your face and to the point and that was the generation that would, would have put this on. And we had been sitting there if the generation was aware of what was going on. Instantly, they would have said, drink the whole thing. It's, it's good. Drink it all. You're parched. You're, your throat, you got something in your throat. You know, listen, <clears throat> what makes that so absurd, what President Obama did right there in Flint, Michigan, with the water was, when Colin Powell, publican, basically, ever since he was in the military life, when he stood up there, on, when he was sitting there on Meet the Press, and he endorsed President Obama the first time, he sat there in the studio, and they must have released some kind of part of particulate in the air or something, because he started. <clears throat> trying to clear his throat, <clears throat> and he was coughing, and the water with the logo of MSNBC was sitting right there, full of water. You know, they just put the water there. But he was, <clears throat> I mean, he coughed, and he coughed, and he coughed, and he coughed until there was, until commercial. And when he came back, he was still coughing, and the water was sitting right there. He did not drink that water. In my opinion, Colin Powell knows. Right? So why would you nondescript just take that and you didn't even really consult? This is what we're talking about, people. A. Philip Randolph, Coleman Porters, during the time when March on Washington happened, he wanted a more of a aggressive march, I would say. You know, more of um more of a more of a more aggressive, angry like then they were called Negro. So we call it Negro. So angry Negro march. He wanted more of that. He wanted a more angry angry Negro march. And then, you know, negotiations were made and Martin Luther King came and he was giving a mundane speech and then um then um old girl, the gospel singer said, uh Martin, tell him about the dream. He went to I Have a Dream, and they took that, and they uh, ran with it because really his speech was about the check uh, uh, marked insufficient funds and how they didn't have it, right? But then the dream speech came up because he had delivered it before, and so they were, so she said, uh, deliver that speech, uh, Martin, and that's what he did, and um, that's what it is, but a. Philip Randolph wanted more of an aggressive type thing. So, look, that was, I believe, if I'm right, that was 1963. So, 31 years later, 
the Nation of Islam under uh, Louis Farrakhan, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, held the Million Man March. The Million Man March. Okay. Million Man March. Okay. What was comparison about the Million Man March and the March on Washington was there was a lot of people in the, you know, on the mall, and, you know, uh, over a million men came out there to that. And But what was the same was they shut the government down. They shut the government down there uh, during the time when the March on Washington happened, and they shut the government down when uh, uh, the Honorable Lord Farrakhan had the Million Man March. That tells you right there that hearts and minds will not change because you shouldn't shut down the government just because uh, a large number of black people come in more than more than two to three. You know, if you, in certain places, if there's seven black people at a restaurant, that's uh, five too many, maybe just two, you know, but not a large group. We don't even want to... Uh, so this is what we're dealing with. And while we're dealing with that as Generation Xers, we are dealing with the civil rights generation holding back from passing on the reins. And like I said, we are not, we are not, um, we are not without compassion for what people saw. But for goodness sakes, we act like we haven't gone through history. We can't go back to our broader history and see our leadership fall before, and we kept moving forward. We cannot, we, we cannot afford, in my estimation, my opinion, to be held to just pushing, having this death cult reality where we revere the dead, but shat on the living. We cannot afford to do that moving forward because we are in this situation that we're in right now because the civil rights generation did not pass the reins on to to Generation X. And on the other end, those who were feckless during the time when Generation X was coming through and the next generations were coming up, which would be Y and Z, which they call Zenith, they were feckless, and now they have co-opted the millennials tag to represent 22 to 37, when really millennials are actually 21 to 13 right now. They, they were feckless in their time, so they have co-opted this, and they're pushing forward, and they're trying to wipe out Generation X from that vantage point, and we're being held from taking the reins from the civil rights uh, generation. The civil rights generation is getting up in the 70s, 80s. Uh, Hera Belafonte, uh, activist, uh, freedom fighter, uh, uh, 90, much respect to him and those who fought that fight. But you have to have faith in the generation that was coming next 
and you have to say, we have taught you well, and if we didn't teach you, that was our fault, so now you have to go on, make some of the same mistakes that we did, but you have the knowledge and that you have the footage, you have the book, you have all of that. Excuse me. You have the footage, you have the book, you have the monologues, you have the dialogues, you have everything that you need to push forward, and we're going to pass the reins on to you, and it's not about personal not about personal gain or um, creating a zeitgeist where that particular generation is considered irresponsible because we're responsible for moving this along from the pro-black era in hip-hop to the representation of some of what reality was in the South and also on the West Coast. So we are responsible in what's happening in the Midwest. All of this is happening and making it an art form that is globally recognized. And you should watch, uh, as I close out here, you should watch the uh, interview that we did with KRS-One and go back and watch all five installments of um, a Temple of Hip Hop event that I covered uh, last year where he talked about the older black generation, but I'm calling the civil rights generation, did not love or respect or even give any credence to hip-hop music. And that's another reason why hip-hop may be being uh, economically controlled by another group, but still pushing the signal on the ground level of what's really going on in the community. What's really going on in the community, uh, what's being put on record, is the truth about what's happening in the community right now. And though the civil rights generation may not like it, it's what you left behind when you went up into the suite to have the next generation or the next set of leaders, Generation X, be ready to take over the battle in the streets. That's what, what it is. So what we are, we are experiencing now is right at the foot. It's the blood on the hands from the civil rights generation who, like one of the callers said, may have made mistakes, but you can't keep on making the same mistake over. You, you did it already. You should know and you should correct it. So it's sitting right there at the feet the blame is at the feet of the civil rights generation for not being willing to um, hand over the reins, to, to relinquish the reins over to the next generation of people. So listen, people, this has been a robust episode of the Crazy Talk, Crazy Topic Show. I'm your host, Crazy D. We got right into it. I didn't go into what you did about the show, but this is brought to you by the Black Ice Chronicles, back in Cleveland, DVD. You know, you can get a hard copy, order it, we'll get it right out to you, or it's streaming right on uh, lordlandfilms.com. We also have the the film review T-shirt. This is the black with the white lettering, available now. You can order it right on the store on lordlandfilms.com. We'll get it right out there to you. You know what I mean? Also, uh, check us 
out. I'm going to put this in the uh, Facebook uh, situation so y'all can see it. Uh, this is this is the SoundCloud, right, where you can uh, watch uh, various situations from the SoundCloud that we have. Uh, that That's the uh, hip-hop and podcast SoundCloud that we have. And then also we're going to uh, put in the film review podcast, film review SoundCloud, where you can go back and watch the various film reviews. But the one that I put up first is where you'll be able to hear this replay of uh, the Crazy Talk, Crazy Topic show. And then this one is where you can uh, watch the replay of the film review. And soon we'll be having the um, Lord Land Films uh, audio movie uh, going up soon. We're doing a lot of things over here at lordland.com to make it happen. And then here's the one right here. Make sure that you uh, follow the Twitter. I'll put that in right now as we close out the show. Put in the link, right? And then the Instagram. You can uh, go right there, uh, follow the Instagram, uh, and also you can uh, go right over to the my Instagram IGTV. So all of these uh, links are coming up here. So like I said, this has been a robust episode of the crazy talk, crazy topic show, you know, uh, uh, simulcasting on Facebook Live and on Blog Talk Radio. We come on every Thursday at 11 a.m. Uh, next week's topic, let me get to next week's topic so that we can uh, uh, let you know what next week's topic is going to be. Next week's topic is, let me open it up so I get it. So I can get the exact uh, title for you. The next week's topic is the hetero by uh, uh, the hetero by homo toxic black female sexuality. Is this the end of the family? Are black women better off without black men, or are they just insane? So that's what the next week's topic is on Crazy Talk, Crazy Topic Show. And uh, so get ready for that. We come on 11 a.m. on Facebook Live and on Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you tell a friend to lock us in. And then this Saturday, we come out with uh, the next installment of um, the film review. And, of course, you know, the film review comes on at 4 p.m. on Saturdays. And, you know, we come in uh, on with special episodes when we see a movie that is just needs to be reviewed right after we see it. We have that autonomy and freedom to do so, and that's what we do. So uh, the film review, and then we have uh, Crazy D Talks Film Production. That's right. That comes on uh, every Monday, and I equate the topic into what's happening in real life, you know what I'm saying, so you can get an understanding of how film relates to actual life, real time and real time, you know what I mean? And it also uh, coincides with the episode released on uh, on demand on Vimeo of Lord Man Films' how-to series where we teach 
how-to techniques. So go around to Vimeo and type in Lordland Films how-to series or Google search it, the Lordland how-to series on Vimeo, and it'll come right up, and you can on-demand watch the various episodes. We're teaching you from camera angle all the way to how to use iPhone, uh, Android to uh, make your images come through, shoot movies on, uh, using those different uh, devices. So stay tuned for that. Like I said, this has been a great show today. We've uh, discussed it, and we've come down to the conclusion that, indeed, uh, the civil rights generation did hold back from Generation X, and most likely, you know, because just like science, you have to be, it's a hypothesis, it's an educated guess, a hypothesis, an educated guess. But my hypothesis is that we are in the condition that we are in today in this society in the United States of America because the civil rights generation held back handing over the reins to the two generation. And so that's what we're going to close. We're going to uh, close out right here with this. Uh, thanks to all the people who called in and talked today. Thanks to all the comments on the uh, comment board on uh, Facebook uh, Live. And um, we're going to be out of here after this. We appreciate you. I'm Crazy D, and you've been watching the Crazy Talk, Crazy Topic Show. You've been listening to the Crazy Talk, Crazy Topic Show on Crazy D Radio, on Blog Talk Radio. Tune in. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. for Crazy Talk, Crazy Topics with your host, Crazy D, brought to you by LordlandFilms.com.